You make me so excited. I know that you're my kind and you're a big girl. What can I say? I don't get paid anything for this, son. I love music. I love sharing music. And this is music from my friend Jason Brewer. He's actually appeared on this podcast back in episode 82. We talked about his band, The Explorers Club, his fondness for that classic, classic old school rock sound, his fundamentalist upbringing. All that sort of thing. But anyway, this music you're hearing right now is from the new self-titled Explorers Club that just dropped in the last month. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's ear candy. It is ear candy. There'll be a full song at the end of this episode to further convince you of that. And oh yeah, by the way, Explorers Club also released an album called... To sing and be born again, full of covers. You guys enjoy. Get this stuff anywhere you get your music. All right. Welcome, 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 all you warriors for God. <laughs> you lionesses. <laughs> I get the sentiment. I get it. I understand. But, you know, forget all that. When I'm weak, he's strong bull. Right, right, right. Oh, man. Lionesses. Hey, I hope everybody's had a pretty good summer. I actually saved someone, like literally saved their life. I was I was at the beach with my children. We were out pretty deep. You know, I was making sure they were all okay. But this woman said, sir, sir. And I looked over there and I saw her struggling. Passed my sunglasses off to my son and darted out in her direction. She basically was not able to stay afloat and so i just kind of put my arm around her told you know told her to hold on she was like hyperventilating and she started crying i said calm down calm down everything is fine Every, you're fine now you're fine and she kind of you know got her composure back and I, I tell you what man i i was a hero that day <laughs> Only I wasn't because basically she was a very, very short woman. And once I told her to grab hold of me, I basically walked her into more shallow water. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. Hey, I am excited about this episode. It is a perfect example of a just how people can differ but still come to the table and have a good discussion. These guys, by the way, 
They were at it about three years ago. If you want to check out episode 105, AI and a debate about God with Jack Hoy and Godless. But today, we just basically strip down to the bare bone and have a good old-fashioned debate about God. You enjoy, and again, in the show notes... Catch up with us on that Pastor With No Answers discussion page. We have a lot of fun. All right. You guys have a good one. Lionesses. All right, we are here with Godless and Jack Hoy. Godless, it has been a while, man. How you been doing without God? You know, it's been uh, uh, interesting. I, I, I moved back to the United States from Ireland since last time we spoke. Uh, yeah, and, and it was funny, you reminded me earlier that we had talked about artificial intelligence before, so I've been out getting myself certified in AI Trying to learn how to do it myself, so that's been kind of fun. <laughs> are, you, are you serious? I'm totally serious. And then, uh, like, what, what do you uh, mean, do do that on your own? What are you talking about? Well, like, like actually code it. Like, you know, give me a boatload of data and let me see if I can make uh, build a artificial intelligence that will make predictions at a better uh, level than a human could. Dang, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's so cool. far. And then, you know, just the last thing has just been this entire. Coronavirus lockdown has right. been really tough, and I know it's old hat to to speak of and all that sort of thing. But you know, I'm I'm, I'm reminded of because this has been one of the most emotionally challenging things for a lot of people, I'm sure, and myself included. And I'm reminded of the times when I felt like um, there was. Uh, you know, I, I could just close my eyes, put my press my hands together, and there was help there. And especially uh, once I got to a certain age where I got frustrating when I didn't hear anything back and nothing felt for me, nothing made me feel more alone yeah. than when I had been assured by everyone that there was someone, we'll put that in quotes, out there who will help. And yet when I reached out, wouldn't get anything. And uh, so for those of your listeners who might be going through the same sort of thing, it's okay because there's plenty of us humans out here to help you out. You know, reach out to a human. You will hear an answer back. It's I like cool. it. And 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 sometime in the distant future, you can reach out to Godless's complex Excel spreadsheet AI robot <laughs> for help also. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. So here's what we're going to do. For our audience, what I did, I mean, this I'm pretty sure this conversation is just going to go on cruise control here in a second. I've asked Jack to bring four reasons why he does believe in God and Godless to bring four reasons to the contrary. And just for the listener's sake, this is not necessarily the God of the Bible that we're talking about. Actually, you know, I don't know if that's going to be Jack's posture or not, but uh, Godless, I know that you're just speaking of God in general. But before we do that, I got to put both of you on the hot seat and have a little bit of fun. And so here's here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you a question, and you literally have... 15 seconds to answer and after 15 seconds i'll go and uh godless what's wrong man 
Oh, I'm stressed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no, th- these these uh, they they won't they're not like dig deep questions. So I think you'll be fine. So first question for you, Godless, when it comes to your atheism, do you feel a calling to make converts? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, absolutely. Um, sorry, I should I should take fifteen seconds to go ding 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 ding. Oh, I'm, so I'm watching about... the time. You're almost out. You're almost out. Oh shoot. Oh, to give the answer, I thought. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because all right. So you can go more into that here in a second. But that's great. <laughs> we 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 hear your yes and no, Jack. What would it take you for you to stop believing in God? So. I'm 63. I think it would be pretty hard for me to reach a conclusion that is different than the accumulated weight of the conclusions I've drawn over the last 45 years, being honest. Perfect, perfect. perfect. All right, Godless, what would it take for you to change your mind in believing that there is a God? Uh, Well, I know this sounds like a terrible answer, uh, and it's, uh, it's unsatisfying, but it's true. If there is a God that God knows exactly what I need to be convinced, and that will be it. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Godless, sticking with you, mm-hmm. how convinced on a, on a we'll, we'll say from 0% to 100%, how convinced are you that there is no God? Probably around 98 to 99%. 98 to, 90, uh, to 99%. Although I should say, like, You only got two more seconds. Oh, whenever there's a question like that, like I always feel like we need to define exactly what is meant by a God. It just sure. gets me in trouble with the wife sure. all the time. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Jack, same thing for you. How convinced are you that there is a God? You know, I, I guess once you get above 90%, what, what number do you pick? I mean, I would say it's somewhere above there. Would I say 98? Would I say 95? I don't know. But gotcha. very gotcha. high. Two, two very smart men almost we'll just go ahead and, and round it to a hundred almost convinced <laughs> almost convinced that god for sure exists or doesn't exist godless can absolute morality exist without a god uh no i don't think so okay um that's a tough question uh yeah but uh I, no i don't think so but i think that that's okay I think that history has shown that uh, morality evolving bam, bam. just like everything right. else is right. good. Cool. Jack, same question. Can absolute morality exist without a God? I agree. I, I, I think it's hard to argue that it could because basically you're going to have different people coming from different angles and they're all going to have opinions. How, how can you argue that one of them is absolutely true and the others are not? All right. Godless, what represents the toughest case against atheism? Like when you think about your belief in atheism, what in your mind is the strongest argument against it? Uh, it's when individuals say that they had an experience that w- is not measurable. It's not. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's a hundred percent internalized, and it makes and it makes it really really hard to convince them that it didn't happen because there's no way to verify whether it did or didn't. Okay. Well, what I, I like that answer. It's interesting. But what I'm saying is basically what is, what is something that, that challenges you? Like you, like you say, I'm an atheist, but man, I, I tell you what, it's hard, it's hard to merge atheism with or, such or and Maybe such. another way to frame it is where does that 1% to 2% of uncertainty come from? What are the things that keep that 
open? Well, I guess I would say that, um, yeah, I don't know. Okay, fair enough. Jack, what, yeah. per, what represents the toughest case against the existence of God for you? I, um, I, I think the apparent randomness of life, and in particular the random cruelty that life inflicts on people who who you'd say they don't deserve that okay yep yep all right so last question for both of you we'll stick with jack on this one jack do you have and and i will let you define close friends we won't get into that do you have close friends that do not believe in god yes how about you godless do you have close friends that believe in god I live in Texas, man. Of course I do. <laughs> yeah, you have to totally isolate yourself, man, if you're in Texas and you can't be friends with people that believe in God. <laughs> yeah, it's like I was saying, I was, I've been self-isolating long before it was cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so let's let's transition to what you guys, the, the homework that y'all did to, to bring to the table for this episode. And I'll just go ahead and start with Jack. And I think what we'll do is we'll let you guys take turns and so Jack will express his, uh, his, his first point as far as why he is convinced there's a God, and we'll, we'll give you guys time to go back and forth. God, let's try to shoot some holes in it and that sort of thing, and we'll let Jack respond. Then we'll throw it over to God, let's you give us our first, and we'll just go back and forth and see where it goes. How about that? Excellent. All right. All right. So Thanks, Joey. Yeah, man. Jack, how about you? What, what's, what's your number one point? And, and by the way, would this be in any sort of chronological order as far as the, the most – is number one the most important? No, you? it's not. Okay. Okay. And f- yeah. So, um, okay. So I would say the one reason is that I believe the Bible is true. So let me explain what I mean by that, though. So, um, regardless, I don't know if you've ever read Anna Karenina, uh, Tolstoy's no. novel great you know if you read novels at all it's it's one of the great novels and so i believe that anna karenina is true now fictional characters it's a made-up story what do i mean by that um the first line of the novel a very famous line is happy families are all alike unhappy families are each unhappy in their own way and you know the novel kind of explicates his view of what where happiness and meaning in life comes from. And I believe it's true. Now, I don't believe, mean exclusively true. I mean, it's brilliant. It sheds insights on life that I think are profound. So, so that's what I think about the Bible. You know, I came to faith through reading the Bible, and what struck me was that it rang true to me. And it rang true about the way it describes what life is like and what people are like. Um, Life is messy and confusing, and there are unresolved tensions. And the Bible is, you know, embraces that. So, like one of my examples, Joey's heard me use it, is the book of Proverbs, which is kind of the, you could argue, is kind of the conventional religious wisdom. Do good and you'll be rewarded. Honor God and he'll honor you and so on. And then Ecclesiastes comes right after it in the in the uh, text that we have. And uh, he kind of says, eh, not necessarily. It's sometimes bad things happen to good people. Sometimes it's the opposite of what you would expect. You know, the race doesn't always go to the swift or the battle to the strong, but time and chance happen to everybody. And, and you know, I think both of those are true. Now, they're both very different angles on the truth. They're expressed differently, but, but they both respect, present true aspects about life that we can't necessarily reconcile. And so the fact that, you know, teaches in that way, to me, that's 
that rings true to life. You know, there are lots of unresolved tensions in life. People are complex. No one is wholly good. And the Bible's very honest about, you know, people who are presented as heroes, yet who had profound flaws, who did awful things. And it doesn't try to sugarcoat that. A good life is defined by our relationships. You know, the, the, the teaching of the New Testament relentlessly is live a life of love. That's what you're called to do. And uh, that, that, again, has the ring of truth to me. So when I say the Bible is true, I'm not arguing for a particular theological stance on inerrancy or anything like that. I'm saying when I read the Bible, it had the ring of truth to me about what life is like. So can I ask, uh, how does that speak to the existence or non-existence of the God that the Bible purports exists? Yeah. So I think the other thing that the Bible does is it kind of takes you through this progressive revelation. You know, it, you know, one of the things that you know, theologic, theologians would say is we can't learn directly about God. We can only learn what God reveals to us. And it kind of is this unfolding process over time. And as people came to grasp different aspects of what God was like and how that related to the human condition, that's, that's how I would answer your question. I don't know if that's a fair answer or not, Godless. Yeah, I guess I, I'm not sure. Like, like, for example, you know, you mentioned Anna Karenina. It's like, yes, it speaks to, as you're saying, like the, these true things about humans. Mm -hmm. But Anna Karenina doesn't purport that the characters in the book are true. Right. And you draw the connection to the Bible. I would agree with you that for some parts, the Bible does speak truth about humans, but it doesn't in the same way, therefore, support the existence of its characters. Okay. Yeah. And, and what I would say is, you know, one of the other things that the Bible says about itself is it makes claims about what the purpose of its writing is. And, and you know, one way it's expressed is to make you wise for salvation. So, you know, what I'm saying is I think the Bible, because I, 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 I recognize in my mind the ring of truth and the way it talks about life, it's like the, okay, well, I'm open to reading then. I'm open to trying to understand what it says about what that meaning of life is and who God might be. So, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I approach it from the point of view of I've read this book that it's like the wow, this is profound. I need to pay attention to this. But that's, would that's, other, but would other books, particularly ones of fiction, that make claims that are similar, uh, even when they speak truth about the uh, human condition, do you therefore then buy the uh, claim that the book in fiction would make about? say, again, the existence of its characters? Well, of course not. They're, I mean, they're deliberately written with a different intention. I mean, well, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if there is a difference because, like, for example, if I were reading a book of fiction, okay. uh, as you brought up in the first chapter, says uh, everything I'm about to tell you is true. Uh -huh. And then it told a ridiculous story, but it had these really great truths about the human condition and also said a lot of things that I liked and so on and so forth. Like I walk away from that book going, Oh, okay, great. Uh, you know, like this was a great read entertaining and spoke a lot of truth, but I wouldn't therefore then go, but that thing in chapter one where it said, everything I'm about to tell you is true. And then followed with a bunch of stuff. That's absolutely ridiculous. I wouldn't go, well, despite the ridiculousness, no, no, no. It said that this stuff was true when that doesn't even really, come into it. Is, how is that different from 
the Bible. In well, this well, I mean, again, and again, we're, we're trying to talk across genres. So it's a little difficult. And I appreciate your, your question, though. I mean, okay. of course, the starting point is here's a work of fiction, so I know it's not true. I mean, and... You know, if what you're referring to, though, is here's all these seemingly impossible things that the Bible relates, and you're saying you believe those because it has these, you know, these wise words over here in this other section. Um, you know, my kind of thing is, uh, you know, we make assumptions about what we're willing to accept, and they define what we think a lot of times is reasonable and true. So, so let me let me if it's not a if it's okay, I'll, I'll mention I'll tell you what one of my other four points is, and that is okay. I I believe Jesus rose from the dead, which might be an example of what you would term as a how in the world could you possibly believe something like that? And I mean. Well, I, I, I and I can I can I can go through and explain my reasons for believing that, but 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 I'm I'm not trying to walk away, I guess, from the idea of, hey, if I say that the Bible is true, here are some other things that come along with that. I guess uh, I just don't want to let's let's pull back from the idea that there, we're comparing a work of fiction to okay, sure what you would argue is not a work of fiction, which would be the Bible, right? Uh -huh. Like. Even if I'm reading a book and I don't know whether it's fiction or nonfiction, I can still buy a lot of the things that it says are true about the human condition. But everything else that it may claim about reality, I'm going to want to measure that against what is either there is evidence for or, uh, you know, sort of matches uh uh, things that I've seen, I would use, I guess what would be one of my arguments, uh, which is uh, by the same logic that I believe anything and everything else that I'm introduced to, by the same logic that I use to measure whether those things are true, I would do the same thing with the claims in the Bible. I, and I, yeah. I think that that would be wholly separate if we're comparing book to book to book, a separate from whether you believe what it says about people. Are true or not. Okay. So I guess part of my thing would be, so I, I've got, kind of got two responses to that. One mm -hmm. of them would be, if, I, if I'm listening to somebody and they say something, and, and I can tell by listening to, here's a person who's wise and good and they think carefully and they, they're not a, <laughs> and then they said something that might seem outlandish. I would be inclined to more to consider the outlandish thing and consider whether my assumptions were wrong because I'd say, but I'm listening to a person who's demonstrated that they're wise and good and thoughtful. So, you know, part of the thing I think is, you know, that I would say is with the Bible, you know, some of the things that people would question and say, well, that's clearly just a matter, that's an article of faith and you got to swallow a lot to swallow that one. Yeah. I'd say, yeah, I, I understand. And part of the where, I, where I'm coming from is, I'm drawn in by the wisdom that I see there. The second thing, though, that I would say is, first rule of literary criticism is understand what genre of, of literature you're reading. So do I believe that the Bible was created in seven 24-hour days? No, I do not. Well, or do, the Bible was created, that the world, was, that the, world the universe, well, the material world was created in seven literal days. I do not. Well, the Bible says that. Well, the, yeah, in a poem at the beginning, 
And poems, if, if you wanted to have something interpreted literally, you would write it in prose. You would not write a poem. So I don't look at that as a, here's a scientific explanation of how things happened. I look at it as an evocative way of saying there's a design. Now, again, I realize that's a controversial question in itself. But yeah. does that, anyway, does that address? Well, yeah, I guess. But I think that speaks to the very thing that I'm bringing up. Like, why wouldn't you believe that the world was created in seven days. Because the guy, I'm, what I'm saying is, I look at it and I say, here's this poetic work. Now, how does the writer intend me to interpret that? I can't, but, I can't know that across the, the scope, but, the range of centuries. But if, I'm in, if I may interrupt a second, sure, like, sure. You, that, that would be your interpretation of that portion of the Bible, and it's certainly, as you just alluded to, a very, very different interpretation than most everybody else has had for centuries and centuries and centuries. Yeah, but that, that doesn't, that doesn't well, make... Oh, yeah, I need to well, just... Well, two things. I would say, <laughs> first of all, I think that the, the idea of the seven-day creation is something that is much more of an American fundamentalism issue than it has been true of Christianity through the centuries. For example, that's not the position of the Catholic Church. That is, well, I I mean, I don't know when the, I mean, since forever is, I guess, what I would say. I'd be shocked if that were true, but I'll look that up. Yeah, Yeah. do that. Um, So, but that's that's what you always have to do whenever you're reading something. It's always you're interpreting to some extent. But I'm not, I'm, I'm, if so, you know, this is where it gets tricky. Like, yeah, yeah. If I'm reading, if I'm reading a book and it says this is very true, I take it from within the context as to whether it is or is not. And what I'll do, for example, if I was reading some other book that claimed that the Earth was made in seven days, the first thing I'll do is I, what I would suggest is probably what's happening here, whether you recognize it or not, is I would look at. Okay, well, what's the scientific evidence that what this is uh, claiming is true or not? And then because there is just an absolute immense amount of evidence that it is not true by any stretch of the imagination, I'd go, okay, well, then that claim is not true. To then say, oh, well, actually, no, this is just a parable. Well, that's a different step. And I can't, I can't recall well, here's, uh, offhand another time I've read any book and thought to myself, oh, well, it's not, uh, oh, well, you know, it made the claim to be true, especially if it was a book per- that was claiming to be nonfiction. I would not, like, like read that and find, then look up other evidence and say, oh, well, turns out that the evidence is that is absolutely not true. Well, maybe they're just making a general point when they don't then state what it is that the point was that they were trying to make. Yeah, well... And I'm not sure I'm going to be able to address that as succinctly. So if I get off track, please don't hesitate oh, to. Good. But, but, but I would abs- say, hey, in in looking at the Bible or any other thing that claim that is making truth claims, you've got to look at external evidence. So yes, does it make sense to look at scientific evidence and say, is a seven day creation make sense? Is it is that does that seem to be where the evidence the outside evidence would lead you? No, it does not. So, therefore, you'd look at it and say, okay, well, then I've, I either need to reject this or I need to consider whether I, I'm interpreting it in a way that isn't true to what the author's intent was. 
Well, I, see, this is. Um, can I can I move to one point because I think we're please, yeah, yeah, please, sure. yes, that, yes, all right. I, yeah, let's. Yeah, let's we just, could probably, uh, Joey. To be honest, we could probably spend an hour just on. This. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You guys, you guys take it anywhere you want. This is. This is <laughs> but uh, I think that like that speaks to one of the biggest reasons that I've had an issue with the purported existence of God is that the goalposts have been moved over and over and over again throughout history. Um, you know, as we as humans learn more about our natural world, all of these claims to reasons or evidence for the existence of a God are washed away one after another. When, uh, for example, the Genesis book was written, it was purporting to be true because there was no evidence to the contrary. When, um, uh, uh, yeah, Jesus says, uh, or and Jesus never did. When people claimed that Jesus was the Son of God, there was no evidence to the contrary. In fact, there's not even evidence of him cl- making the claim himself, and so on and so forth. There's all these uh, examples. Uh, if you look in history, the way that uh, Earth was supposed to be the center of the universe, and we're not even the center of, uh, we're, there's nothing that we're the center of. Uh, the the idea that we're somehow chosen or special is ridiculous. When you look at the vast amounts of outer space, are is black holes meant to crush and and rid from existence anything and everything that it gets near. And uh, so yeah, from you know like and and Darwin when he said uh, 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 said something along the lines to his uh, his wife that the reason that he uh, put off. Uh, the publishing of Origin of the Species for so long was because he was killing God. And in many ways, yes, because until that point, all of the evidence of like why creatures had become what they had become was given to, oh, well, that must have been uh, a divine being that had made that happen because of the absence of any science to the contrary. And uh, so the, the way that goalposts are constantly being moved and I see this with like progressivism inside Christianity as a great example, but it's certainly not alone in any of the religions. The way that, uh, 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 especially lately in the 20th and 21st centuries, the, the idea that, well, morality is now for humans to interpret. When the Bible, when it was put together, the number of people on earth who could actually read the thing was like less than 10%. It was certainly not of the poor people that the New Testament was written to address. And so therefore, it was never designed to be interpreted by the individual reading because nobody was actually supposed to read the thing. Nobody could. And so the way that the the goalposts constantly move um, and never move in the other direction, it's always throughout history moved against the existence of God. I can't think of anything else that... I could possibly believe that has been that has made claims to existence and has been proven wrong over and over and over again, and I still would have faith in it. Uh, it just wouldn't make any sense of me uh, for me to do so. Yeah. Well, I, I think you know there's a there, there's a lot of good insight in what you shared there. So let let me let me make a statement and see if you would agree with it. The sum of human knowledge is as a drop in the ocean of our ignorance. Possibly. It's hard to say because the truth is is that 
uh, uh, that drop has is growing bigger and bigger by exponential leaps. Sure, uh, uh, all it, the time. Human knowledge so, is yes, I agree. And so we can't, you know, in, in ignorance is sort of like trying to measure an absence. It's you can't really measure. It's a we don't know how big the cup is. Right. It can, it can only be an inference. And, and yeah, it, and, well, and, and, it might be true that we're actually near the limit of the cup, but we have no idea yeah. whether we're near the limit or nowhere near the limit. So I guess I couldn't agree with that because of that very ignorance that you're speaking of. Yeah, okay, fair enough. But, you know, if you looked at the sum of human knowledge as being the area within a circle that's constantly expanding, then the circumference is constantly expanding, which means that it is constantly exposed to more and more of what we don't know. And so it might be an illusion that that what we know is insignificant in comparison to what's outside, but we're constantly being exposed through growing knowledge to more and more things we don't know. If, and again, I realize that's a metaphor. It's not a, it's not a proof. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, fortunately it's thanks to technology, thanks to science, thanks to uh, the scientific method and all of these very, very secular uh, human created uh, uh, things that that circle is expanding faster and faster. All the Real time. quick, well, wouldn't I mean? Wouldn't we all agree that the goal post, it, like if we're going to call it goalpost moving, isn't that the same thing with science too? Though I mean, because science used to believe stuff that isn't true, so I don't see the Bible as necessarily unique in that. I, I see it like, why wouldn't we have a more a deeper understanding of how the Bible is to be read and interpreted as, as we go along. I mean, what the difference is actually really significant. And the difference is that science, you know, this is one of those things that people always say, Oh, well that's just a theory. The theory of evolution is just a theory. And theory is a really weird word, but it's important in the context of science because science never wants to say this is absolutely definitively true, right? It's always just a theory that then other scientists who will uh, are all desperately out to make a, a career for themselves and uh, get published and you know uh, uh, fame and fortune await them when they're able to prove something that has been uh, held as being a truth in science is now untrue. Everyone's actively working to prove whatever theory that's measurable is actually not the truth. So yes, it's through science's own uh, uh, process that, uh, that w things that were uh, purportedly considered solid theories, for example, are actually untrue. In contrary, uh, let's look at one book and for one religion that makes a claim to truth, but there is nothing within that book or within uh, the, um, the, the, the structures that surround that book that are out to prove that it is untrue. And that certainly hasn't happened until recently sense. outside of that. So it's a very significant difference. Science doesn't make the claim for truth, especially not making the claim for truth within what it doesn't know or can't measure. But religion does that every day, all day. It says in this ignorance, inside that, that uh, what Jack's mentioning about the, the circle outside of our circle of knowledge, out there, that's what we claim to know. 
Whereas science would say, no, 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 no. All we can claim to know is the stuff that's within the circle. Yeah. And even that, we're going to challenge it all the time. Sure. But, but I think the challenge sometimes is I think people can take that argument to say that, and therefore the only reality that exists is the part that we can verify. And there's this question of, is there something beyond? And again, nobody can know. But mm-hmm. I think sometimes, you know, I guess what I have an issue with, and, and it kind of gets back to my statement that I asked for your response to on the, you know, the, 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 the relative proportions of our knowledge to our ignorance, that, that one of the traps sometimes that um, I'll, I'll, I'll say atheists or materialists can fall into is the obverse of what religionists have done in, in past years. There's a rumble in the skies. What is that? We can't account. For, must be the gods. There must be angry, right? Well, now we obviously we know we know the physical ori- origins of thunder, and we say no, no, that's that's a natural he, I was phenomenon. God was moving his furniture. God was moving. But you know, you're like your comment about black holes. I mean, sometimes I think that atheists can take this tack of, see, this is obviously random, and therefore, the universe is obviously not made by a designer and my argument would be i i think we know too little to be definitive about some of the things that we tend to use as building blocks for our well yeah but i think that all right first of all there's a difference between theism and gnosticism so theism would be what we believe and gnosticism is what we know i think almost all uh uh atheists are agnostic atheists in that they don't know but they don't believe Mm -hmm. and i think that there's also quite a few uh uh who are religious who are agnostic theists they don't know that there is a god uh but they believe that there is a god Mm -hmm. so it's it's very challenging to try to 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 blur those two things because that's very very um, uh, clear, and that's why, like when you asked earlier, what's the one to two percent that yeah. causes you to not? No, it's it. That is my agnosticism, right? Yeah. Um, so when atheists say the stuff that I don't know, I you know I don't know what is out there. I don't think anybody would say, uh, uh, you know, I, I definitively know what I don't know. That's exactly what atheists don't do they're saying it could be one of a hundred gods it could be uh uh, and probably not and the reason that they don't is because of the moving goalposts that we were talking about earlier as that uh circle of knowledge grows and grows and grows and all the places in which god claimed to live is turned into uh well poetry as you mentioned earlier, or turned into parable or turned into, uh, oh, well, but, but we're just kidding, I guess. Like, that is when all those claims get uh, eaten away and chiseled away, at a certain point, you got to go, well, geez, you've claimed all this other stuff inside this big circle, and that wasn't true. Why should I believe that the stuff that's still out there is also what you claim to be? Mm-hmm. Well, I understand your point. I, I, I think you overstate when you say atheists say this. I mean, I think there are atheists saying all kinds of things, just as there are well, sure. believers saying all kinds of things. So, yeah. sure, I just think that it's, it's you know, at least from the uh, you know, we'll say that the the most popular of the published 
authors and certainly the the most uh, visible of those in the atheist community, uh, I think would agree with the idea of there being some amount of agnosticism in their beliefs, or yeah. I'm sorry, agnosticism in uh, what they, they purport to know. Well, I would agree. So, you know, it's interesting. I was reading something by Steven Weinberg not long ago, and um, he was kind of making the argument for why he, you know, is an atheist. And it, his kind of thing was the Holocaust was kind of, for, that was the, you know, whatever, whatever metaphor you want to put to that, the straw, the book, like the, I can't believe in a God who would allow that. Mm-hmm. And, and so I've, you know, like the, and I can't remember exactly how I ordered it, but basically, so I've, I've got this, I've developed this, you know, intellectually viable alternative. Now, what's interesting to me about that is he's basically saying, I made an emotional decision and I am develop. I have developed, you know, a, a rationalization process for why I have grasped that. I think that's true. Like, you know, if if you read a lot of the, you know, the I'll say the current neuroscience books, that's kind of what they say human beings do. And I would argue that that's true of believers and non-believers alike, that we primarily believe things because we attached to them emotionally in some way, and that primarily we use reason to justify what we've already decided to believe or disbelieve. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's uh, certainly true. But I think that the uh, what you said about Steven Weinberg, where that was the straw that broke the camel's back, mm-hmm. is probably exactly that. The problem of evil is a huge problem. Yes. A huge problem in the idea of there being a beneficent deity mm-hmm. but not in that there is a deity it's it's sort of irrelevant especially if you read the old testament that is not a beneficent god uh at least not in terms of uh, human ra- uh, morality that i'm familiar with um so uh i think that when you you speak to one person saying it was a straw that broke a camel's back there's a lot of other stuff there's a lot of other straws and that would be fair enough last. Fair enough. Yeah. And then to add to that, like, um, uh, well, I, yeah, I, I guess I'll stick to that. But yeah, I, I, I think that is uh, the problem of evil is a, is a big problem. And, uh, you know, but it, it doesn't really speak to whether is the existence or not non-existence of a God, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. All right, Godless, why don't you, I, if I'm counting correctly, I think you've shared two of yours. If I'm not yeah, mistaken, so the, why don't the you... first one was that uh, by the same logic, I believe everything else. I can't believe in a God. Uh, and, and I, yeah, I don't know whether I really went into too much depth there, but um, there's, there's just like, um, there's nothing that by the same logic pattern that I undertook to decide, for example, that the, um, the, the light's going to turn from red to green most of the time when I'm sitting there at the intersection or uh, the same logic that I use to, uh, uh, to come to believe that uh, uh, my parents are my parents and uh, and not somebody else's parents besides my brother, that sort of thing. Like that's there's a logic that was put into all of these these uh, things that I now purport to be true by that same logic process. There's nothing that I've come to believe to be true in the same logic process that would be necessary to decide that yes there is a god and then the second one being just the moving goalposts of history and the moment that you look through the history of 
of uh, of belief. And you know, there's uh, uh, the nun uh, Karen Armstrong wrote a book called uh, History of God, and I know she wrote that book as to be a sort of uh, illustration of uh, how important. God was in the history of mankind from the time that first time people were able to draw something in the caves. But by my interpretation, all it purported was the importance that people have always put on needing to understand things that they couldn't understand. And therefore, just like what you were saying, Jack, then going, oh, well, then let me emotionally come up with a reason for what I don't understand. And that must be a huge unseen uh, being in the sky. Um, and I guess my third reason would be that there is, and, and this is not so much, uh, uh, this is not as strong as no, uh, number one and number two by any stretch, but I think it's important. And it's the lack of inquisitive thinking on the part of people who believe. Um, and to explain that, I made a New Year's resolution a long time ago when I weighed a lot less than I do now, that if I walked into a restaurant and I looked and scanned at the people in the restaurant and most of the people in the restaurant were overweight, I knew uh, I better leave because the food here is going to make me fat, you know. Uh, and that was a New Year's resolution. But it stuck with me because the same thing happens with when I find people who do believe I find that they are uh, that there are very big limits to what they are willing to inquire about their beliefs. And I, when I scan the room, I go, "Well, I don't want to be in a room of people who are who don't have that sort of curiosity about all the things that they don't know." And my favorite example of this is uh, the Bible itself. The Bible has been uh, translated and uh, written and rewritten and rewritten, uh, you know, incalculable number of times over the years. And the books that are included, some are included, some are not. Uh, and there was a, a, uh, a very uh, a deliberate, politically deliberate reason why certain books were included, certain books were not. If I were a believer in the Bible, I would want to be able to read the as close to the original text as possible in their original language and understand that to know that these translations and rewritings that I'm purporting to be uh, that I'm believing to be true and having a uh, immeasurable consequence if they are true or not true. I would want to know as close to its core exactly what it is that I want to believe. And I, I, I believe that, you know, the, 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 um, if you do not, if you are not able to read this important book in its original language, in the language it was actually written in, it's, and preferably on the exact parchment that it was put on, you're just going to, you are getting, um, it's like looking at somebody through a series of mirrors. You're going to get a very, very different impression of what it is that was originally written down. This was not photocopied and, uh, translations are always up to interpretation. That's why there's so many different translations of all of the books. So I don't want somebody's translation. I don't want somebody's rewriting of it. 
Oh, my apologies. I got a uh, sound here on my phone. Uh, turn this off. Apologies. Um, yeah, I don't want uh, uh, somebody else's interpretation. I want the truth. Hey, the beginning of what you said, do you, do you, do you see a change, though, in Christians being willing to go with those questions and express those questions and kind of lean into mystery a little bit more? I mean, the, the tide's changing a little bit in that, I would say. Yes, and I think that the, uh, the huge number of people, especially young people, who are leaving religion and leaving belief is exactly that. It's the exact same side effect of what you're talking about. Uh, it's just that, and, and the same thing that I experienced myself. So, yeah, absolutely. I think that, like, progressive Christianity is one step towards that inevitable conclusion because it, you know, as soon as you start to realize, well, now I'm trying to project onto uh, what I'm reading, what I feel or what I want to be true, whether it be sexism and racism and uh, 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 the Bible's uh, 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 what it writes about infanticide, for example, and all of these other issues, you go, well, no, I don't want that to be true. I, I want to believe something else. So I'm going to look somewhere else in the book for a passage that is going to reassure me. And those people who are willing to kind of go, well, wait a minute, I need to stop projecting what I want to be true on this book and actually read it for what it purports to be true. Well, then now you're getting closer to disbelief. How do you feel about his point as far as? Well, I, I, you know, I, I would, you know, my feeling, Godless, is that I think you're, overstating your point in 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 a sense and let me give you an example um so i took latin in school and what you do in second year latin is you translate caesar's commentaries because caesar was kind of like a roman hemingway you know short sentences short words very simple sentences, so easy to translate for a you know a, a young student so here's the deal um i've never heard anybody argue that caesar didn't write his commentaries I've never heard anybody argue that we don't know what Caesar was trying to say. And yet, if you looked at the documentation for ancient manuscripts, and, and you know, in, in, in um, um, what's, I'm trying to, I'm not, I'm drawing a blank on the, the, the word for this particular area of, of research, but, but basically, kind of the divide in terms of old manuscripts is, about 400 AD, before the sack of Rome. So if you have something that dates before that, then there's more of a cultural continuity with it. And, um, you know, the, like the idea of the New Testament in particular um, is document, you know, the old manuscripts, there are orders of magnitude more for the New Testament than there are for Caesar's commentaries. So, you know, the idea that, boy, we don't really know what these original manuscripts had to say, I I think that's a bit of an overstatement. You're right. There are people who will read particularly a dumbed-down translation and think this is this is what the Bible says. And, you know, Joey's heard me complain about, you know, the people who come in and say, well, this is, what, this is God's view on this. And it's like, whoa, I am a lot less confident than I know what God's view is on something than you are. But, but aren't you – but aren't you – I guess what it comes down to is the curiosity. Uh -huh. Like, I mean, first of all, Amon Amasamat, Amon Samatasamat, right? Like, <laughs> I'm with you. But uh, uh, 
the curiosity in what the original text says is so there's so little curiosity within in particular Christianity. It may not be as true in Islam, but I would just and, challenge and, that. I mean, maybe it's well, maybe it's just my circle, but, but I know. Yes, yeah, I mean, the example is exactly what you're saying. Like, how do we? Why do we know that Caesar's writings are true and come from Caesar, but not the Bibles? It would be because there's lots of uh, historic evidence from outside of what of no, wherever it was that Caesar wrote. We I, would even I, I'm not trying to make the argument. I'm not trying to make the argument about the accuracy of Caesar's comments as commentaries as history versus the historical accuracy of the Bible. I'm just saying about, you were making a point earlier about transmission of manuscripts and transmission of, you know, how can you be sure that what you're, what you are reading is what was actually written? And my point is, I think you can be at least as confident of that as you can when you read Caesar's commentaries that you know what Caesar was trying to say. Except for a couple reasons. First one being that Caesar always wrote in Latin, to my understanding, mm-hmm. and there's plenty of people who read and have seen the actual original text that Caesar wrote down on. There's no original text, but is go it? ahead. Okay. Well, even so, like there's at least there is the outside evidence that what is inside those texts aligns with other evidence. And then we can go, well, all right, this is probably Caesar's perspective which is very important but it's for the most part it's purporting true events to a certain degree because again caesar was known to be a storyteller and be pretty grandiose about you know whether there was 150,000 soldiers that uh he had when he defeated that army or whether he had as he claims only 15,000 you know and then there's a lot of evidence that that, that, that number is a little big the the difference with the uh, let's start with just the New Testament is that a like again don't have any of the original documents. Two, it wasn't Caesar who wrote, or you know, it was Caesar who probably wrote this stuff. In what was written in the Bible, there's very little evidence that even the authors that are claimed to be the authors are not the authors. The third thing being that uh, the text in the Bible were copied and copied and copied over and over again. And even in important words in the uh, in the Greek, like I think that the symbol for God in Greek, if I recall, is something like a, a circle with a line through it. But then there's another word that is uh, another noun that could mean something incredibly different that is also a circle with a line through it, but the line is much higher. If you're picturing a monk by candlelight spending hours and hours hand copying the text from one piece of paper to another or parchment to another, you could see how something as an example, as simple as using the circle and putting the line a little bit too high, and now all of a sudden all future copies of that parchment now have the wrong interpretation, you know, the wrong language altogether. And that's just one example. And right. but, know, see, but see, my point is, I think you're making my point, is there are no original, like we don't have the, Caesar's autograph, and so there are copies and copies and copies made because that's how you transmitted books, mm-hmm. and and yet I I, I've never heard anybody argue that we don't know what Caesar intended to write. Now you, I'm not making an argument about the accuracy of what he wrote because mm-hmm. as you said, he was a person who he had his own agenda in writing this stuff down, right? right. 
but but, but the transmission, the transmission is what I'm going after. So we don't, in we contrast, don't agenda, we don't know. Again, the two important factors are uh, what you just said, like with Caesar's agenda, we have a pretty good idea because of other writings by other people from who were around Caesar at the same time. Mm -hmm. We have a pretty good idea as to what it is that he was probably in our imagination. And that does change and evolve over time. We have a fairly good idea as to what he probably purported. And even there, you know, to be honest with you, like when I'm thinking of it, the truth is, is that there are texts about the Roman Empire that were written early in the 20th century that have a very, very different interpretation as to things like what it was that Caesar was trying to do or what he's trying to say there or all that stuff. There are differences from the early 20th century to what is often by historians considered to be true now. And often yet, and yet you can reason from a text that is reliable. No, you have to rely on the other evidence. Oh, I, I'm not that saying that. Oh, oh, no, I agree. I agree. No, but my point is, in terms of trying to say what is it that Caesar was saying, you're not arguing about what words was he using. You're, you've got a text that you accept the transmission to be reliable. And then, you know, you apply whatever test you want to apply to how you interpret it, whether you say, well, yeah, he says this, but this other guy says this and, you know, whatever. So, see the thing. If if when Caesar makes a claim, let's say for example, that I had a hundred, uh, I'm sorry, I had fifteen thousand soldiers who defeated this humongous army in this battle, right? Mm -hmm. When all the other other evidence that we have was that probably his army was ten times that, mm -hmm. because we know what his supply lines were like, because somebody else wrote about supply yeah. lines, we know, you know, all these other reasons, right? Yeah, it's the same thing with the Bible, where. Well, the, one I, thing after another, like let's take for example, like uh, the the claim of the flood in the Old Testament, like for centuries that was believed to be unequivocally true. But now that we have, well, the geologic record, uh, we have uh, just the you know people actually wondering, all right, this two animal thing, how does that exactly work, and how do you get animals from one side of the world to another? And now that we know about continental drift and um, well, what's the original name for when all the landmasses were connected all at the same time? And, Pangea? And, you know, yeah, and then, yeah. And then you know, eventually you've got uh, the continents are disconnected. So now you can't get animals from one continent to another. And how did they get to the boat that way? You know, all this stuff, you end up going, oh, okay. Oh, well, sorry, rewrite. This was a parable. And it's like, well, wait a second. That's not what it claimed to be, nor that it claims to be. It claims to be a truth. And it's only through the outside evidence that now we have to, to make a change on what the Bible does claim to be true. Now, see, I, I, you know, if you look at the first 12 chapters of Genesis, which would be kind of the prehistory chapters, um, you're saying that claims to be true. I don't see where it's claimed that that's the case. That these, and 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 you've got to look at that and say these were clearly snippets from different documents that the editors who put together Genesis included. And then the question is, why did they include them? My argument would be they were trying to make theological points, not biological points. Why? But why would you believe that? Why not believe that they were trying to make political points? Or trying to make uh, because uh, because well because I would say you know what the Bible claims about itself and other you know is that the purpose is to lead you to a knowledge of God 
It is not to explain the physical origins of the universe, for example. But, but that would be using it to prove itself. So I understand. Like, yeah, so you can't you can't well, ask. You can't fair. prove. I, and I'm not I'm not trying to argue for a proof. I'm just trying to say how do you interpret a document like this? But but you are like trying to find a reason for a belief. No, well, you know, that's an interesting one. I mean, what, what I was saying earlier was you know, I, I think you could make that argument about virtually every human being that we that we choose what we think is true and then we try to justify it. And I'm not no, 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 immune no. from I, that. I would wholly disagree with you on that. Well, uh, you, ought, you, you ought to read some more contemporary neuroscience then, because that's what it yes. argues about the way human beings make major decisions. I did not choose my non-belief in God. That was not a choice, and I promise you. I would, if I if I had power over that choice, I probably would have done something completely different, because it, you know, especially over the last you know 15, uh, 20 years, like it is not easy what you lose. I, I'm thinking of the story, uh, Joy, that I sent you yesterday of this uh, the Christian uh, uh, musician who is now coming yeah, out lead of the closet. Singer of Hawk Nelson. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this guy. There's no way in the world he chose to not believe in God. There's no way because his entire uh, social structure, his family, his, in, his career, everything revolves around the need to believe in God. And he stopped. There is no way anybody in their right mind would make that decision. Well, I mean, I, you know, it, it kind of relates to what you said earlier about one of the things that's hard to challenge about believers is if they talk about, well, I have, I've had this experience, there's no way for you to get inside of a person and prove or disprove that. And the same is true for me. I, you know, I can't, and I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to make an argument on any of these things that, hey, I can say definitively that this is so or that is so. I think, you know, one of the, your, your, your comment earlier about, you know, agnostic atheists and agnostic believers, I would say that, and you're one of those and I'm another, in the sense that as long as you're not at 100% on either one, that, that by definition is kind of the category that you fall in. And, and yet, all of us have to make choices about, you know, what, how we're going to orient our lives and what's the belief structure that's going to underlie how we live. And the fact that there's uncertainty in that doesn't relieve us from the necessity to make a choice. But I don't know that that choice has anything to do with belief or non-belief. It just has choices about what we do with our, our lives and how we act. All right. Jack, why don't you move to point three? No! Don't! <laughs> you, you throwing the towel in on him, Jack? Not at all. Not at all. Well, so actually my point three was the Jesus rose from the dead. Gotcha. And um, my point two was Jesus' life and teaching. Um. And uh, my point four was the one that, you know, you had kind of pointed out as the, the one that's always obviously difficult to, to try to address by any outside person and because I've experienced God's spirit in my life. And, and um, you know, it's a mystical thing that I don't understand, but it's also this practical thing that has enabled me to live more as the person that I seek to be. And, um, yeah. So anyway, I, I mean... We're talking through all these things. I mean, I actually like the way that the conversation has gone, Joey, and thanks for giving us the opportunity to just yeah. go back and forth because I think this is more, 
I, you know, one of the things I appreciate about you, Godless, is, you know, I don't feel like this isn't about debating points. This is about trying to, you know, pour through these things that people disagree on and have for a long, long time. And that, and to which there is no definitive answer, I think, that, that at least we figured out a way to arrive at yet. And yet, like, we've got to decide what we believe when we're, you know, yeah. Yeah, I think almost everybody uh, struggles with doubt. Uh, and, you know, especially, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think that, that believers have to struggle with doubt quite a bit because of the absence, because of um, uh, what we were talking about earlier, like uh, the, 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 you have to project God into the areas of your life in which you don't know anything about the, the the areas of ignorance that not not you know human ignorance not just our own individual ignorance although that's certainly a part of it but you have to project God into that into those pieces of your life because you cannot project God into what it is that you know like you cannot you know for example pull out your mobile phone and press the power button it turns on and you go thank God <laughs> and actually mean God because you know it's not it's because of something else and uh, there's in no place in our lives that we definitively know yes that exact right there that's God it always has to be his presence his in quotes in the place of an absence yeah, yeah I mean I, I personally feel not being God kind of it, it almost sets out the rule that certainty is not something that I can have. I mean, I, I, I truly believe that. I mean, now, am I, per, does my faith, do I feel personally convinced? Sure. But for me to say, I'm right and you're wrong, I, I just can't go there. That's, that's yeah. just not territory I can go into. Yeah. Did, but I guess that, that, that certainty, though, is is what I was talking about earlier about how, like, so how do you decide how do you come to a conclusion whether about whether anything in your life whether you believe it to be true or not mm -hmm. and it, it, there's nothing else in our lives where we go uh well all right so it's consistently been you know shown to not be true on these other places they said it was true and uh you know really logically it doesn't make a whole lot of sense uh to explain anything else but i still i still i still believe it to be true like the only times that that happens is when you're talking about something emotion, and that is exactly what we were talking about earlier about how you're projecting emotion to convince you of something. But see, and I totally and I totally agree with you, and I think that's because the supernatural and the spiritual realm is in a different category. Like it, it is something separated. It's not something that science can say yes or no about. At, you know, so so I see that as as the as the one exception of me. I, I believe, you know, I have, I, I, I believe, I feel God's presence and, but yeah, I mean, I, it is in a different category for sure. You know, the, the other thing that I would say though, Godless, is that while none of the answers that, you know, like if we were to talk about how do you, you know, go into detailed discussion about how do you rationalize origins with the Genesis account, you know, the scientific evidence versus that, I mean, I've got what I think is at least a, what is for me at least an intellectually satisfying answer. I'm not saying that it's definitive, but, you know, it's, 
to me, it's important to ask those questions. I don't think for most Christians, it's a matter of, I've just got to close my eyes and hope because there's no rational basis for this. I don't, I don't think that's any more true for Christians than it is for, or, you know, people. I don't think that's any more true for believers than for non-believers, is I guess what I would say. But isn't that, aren't you just defining faith? What, 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 like, what is faith? My faith isn't in a particular narrative. The no, question is we, whether the, the question is but, whether there's a God, and if so, what that God is like, and can that God be known? Right, but the the I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but okay. I would define faith as being believing despite any, you know, the, 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 uh, believing despite the presence of evidence. I see. See what you're kind of saying is, despite the fact that the evidence points in the opposite direction, you choose to believe anyway. And I'm saying, I don't think that. It's no, it's no, it's, I'm, it's, I'm, it's being no, faith is defined in the Book of Hebrews as being sure of that which we do not see. Right. So let me let me read okay. back. So I want to make yeah. sure it's clear. Like yeah. like it's it's not that evidence points in another direction. It's just evidence doesn't exist to support the claim of truth. It doesn't point to any other direction because there's nowhere else to point until you're talking about a very particular uh, uh, something that science is trying to research in order to find out why that exists. Um, you know, it's funny because like in uh, Six Sigma, which is a manufacturing right. process, you, know, you yep. try to figure out like why does this machine – why is this machine doing producing the results that it's producing? And they got a concept called the five whys, you know. Mm-hmm. And the problem with the existence of God is it doesn't hold up to the five whys. Once you dig to the second or third why, it's like there's nothing. And um, and so again, like by that argument, I wouldn't believe anything anything is true unless I had gone through, for example, the five whys process or the scientific method or you know, well, but uh, see, just, I, I just think there are limits on the scientific method that cannot address the questions that faith raises. So paranormal, paranormal. Well, I'm just saying it's beyond a materialistic explanation. Poltergeist. No, uh, that, 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 no I, I think, I, you know, we haven't been diminishing each other here, and I don't think that's no, a no, fair but, comment. I mean, but that's what the supernatural is. It's things that science cannot measure. Okay. And so if we look at what else does science what else is science incapable of measuring besides uh you know a uh, 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 supposed deity right like the list isn't all that long except a whole bunch of stuff that people would just make up but if the supernatural exists science can't measure it right if well it that's exists. true let's say that i you know the, the the i think it's daniel dennett's example was if i say that there is a giant teapot in the sky there's nothing that, and science can't measure it. Well, who are you to say that there is no giant teapot in the sky? Sure. Like it, you can, I, you come up with anything, anything, anything your imagination come up with, and then stop uh, add as an addendum to it. And science can't measure it. And whatever it is that you just said, well, yeah, it might be right, you know. But how likely is that? I mean, I get that, but I, I think that goes to Jack's point as far as. I, I don't think either one of us see our, our faith as like this unsan- uh, unsubstantiated thing that there's nothing that lends us to believe. Because I'm, I'm with Jack. I mean, I obviously believe that there's enough history and enough honest reading of stuff that points to a resurrection, for example. So 
you know, that right there, then I, I start being in tune with stuff that, that Jesus said. And then that leads me to have certain beliefs about God and everything. So, you know, there's not a whole lot of writing about a, a giant teapot. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, uh, you know, as you, you know, you're talking about like the resurrection story. It is a story. There is not contemporaneous evidence that that is true. And Ex- that's a except for all the contemporaneous context. accounts. I mean, what? what yeah, what there, there, exactly. But like, there's just absence there. So like, we can either believe it happened out of faith. Well, see, I would agree. I would argue that that's the most logical conclusion to draw from the gospel accounts. But something, again, something so extraordinary, something. unthinkable happened there. And, but, and, and what they record is just their inability to grasp at the time. What in the world is this? But that's very different from what we were talking about with Caesar's writings, because at least with Caesar, there's lots of contemporaneous accounts. With this, there's none. There are multiple contemporaneous accounts. They happen to be collected in a single book. No, no, no. I'm so sorry. But like the, 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 it's bunk. It's absolute bunk. There is no uh, 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 there is nothing that I mean, even the books in the Bible weren't written for 100 years after the event. Well, see, that's not true. You know, the, the, the book of John, true. the book of John, which was one of the ones that was always argued to be, well, hey, that just the theological arguments had to be centuries later. Actually, the earliest dated fragment that we have from an Old Testament manuscript is from the book of John, and it's, it's within the first century. Right, but that's, that's not like Caesar, the day of, and everybody around Caesar on the day of. Well, I'm that, just saying... No, I, I mean, I can't remember what happened last week. If you were to ask me to write a book <laughs> about what happened 40, 50 years ago, I'm going to have a real hard time, and I might do like Caesar did and say, well, uh, yeah, that guy, you know, we thought he was dead, uh, it's not such a good story. Let's, uh, you know, we made a mistake. Yeah, you walked out, you yeah. know. Yeah, uh, but, I would, you know, like you could come up with all sorts of reasons, political, sociological, etc., as to why it was written the way it was written. But just like any other text of that time, it doesn't because it claimed to make to be true, therefore is true. I agree with that, but I, I'm just saying I... I think the gospel accounts have held up very well under centuries of scrutiny. The idea that, I mean, I, I think you're dismissing them a lot more uh, easily than if we had time to pursue this topic, then, then they could be legitimately dismissed. Now, I'm not saying that everybody accepts the ev- evidence in the same way or the same evidence. Uh, you know, part of it is how you weigh this versus how you weigh that and so on. But I think to argue that the gospels aren't directly derived from eyewitness accounts, I think... I think the evidence is that they are. And oh, I could refer you to books, but they, you know, they're yeah. not necessarily books you'd want to read. I'm not. Well, I, I've read a lot, and you know, I, unfortunately, like. I'll let you have the, the final word right here. Sorry? You've got oh, the final, final word right say, here. And by the uh, way, I'm going to send you some, some digital tracks, and they're going to get you, man. They're going to get you. <laughs> They'll get you. Well, You'll be convinced. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, like, unfortunately, like, I, I feel like. Uh, that time of my life where I spent so, I mean, just spent so much time researching and comparing and thinking and considering, I, I've kind of moved on. Like, that's part of the reason that I'm at that 98, 99%. I only have one life to live. And for the rest of what I have left, I'm going to try to soak up 
the every moment of it that I can doing things that I will, you know, enjoy and will, you know, actually that are true. Um, and so, you know, with referring books like Bart Ehrman, I spent, geez, I can't tell you how many of Bart Ehrman's books I've read. Uh, uh, and when I would compare them to other books that uh, were purporting what you're purporting to be true, I would find, as just one example, that, uh, well, this guy has been researching this a lot more stringently than these very, very surface level uh, 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 research is being done, often by people who it is in their interest, like the singer of this uh, well, Hawk band. What would they call Hawk? Hawk the, Nelson. Hawk Nelson. Yeah, it is in their interest to make sure that the, the that their conclusion is already uh, uh, meets the, the a certain conclusion. They are not going to use a scientific method and therefore come to a very different conclusion because their career would turn out in a very different way. Um, so yeah, for. But when it comes down to it, like when I, I go through all of the reasons that you think that the existence of God is true, it all requires believing a claim without evidence. And I'm not making the contrary, uh, uh, exact opposite claim that without evidence you therefore uh, must believe something else. I'm just making the argument that without evidence— you can't believe that to be true because it's consistent with everything else that, you know, the system of, of uh, how you decide what's true and what's not. But, uh, you know, again, uh, much respect. Uh, I, I appreciate the conversation uh, uh, this time around. This one turned out, I think, a lot better than our last conversation as well. So I, I'm appreciative of that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Awesome. Good having you both. And yeah, we'll have to do it. We'll have to do it again. We'll have to take one of these points and talk. <laughs> yeah, that's what I keep on telling you. Joe, you don't believe me when I tell you. <laughs> Did you like that? You like how I just stayed out of their way, too, and pretty much kept my mouth shut? I tried to interject. Those guys were just gone. They were gone. Well, like I promised, here's a song from the Explorers Club. By the way, go to freemusic.theexplorersclub.com for free music from the Explorers Club and just a way to stay up to date with this wonderful band. Yeah.
This is our